0: Thanks for being here. I hope you are doing just great. I have been excited to talk to you all week long. I don't know. It's just one of my favorite things to record this podcast episode and feel like I'm hanging out with friends, even though I'm here all by myself. It's such a weird feeling, <laughs> but I'm glad that you're here. There's lots to talk about today. We've had quite a bunch of Disney news dropping just in the last few days, and I'm excited to dive into it, share it all with you, and then I'm also going to be talking about Universal Studios Hollywood versus Disneyland, because I get questions all the time about if Universal Studios Hollywood is worth it, if people should add a couple of days to their Disneyland trip, um, what ages I think are best for Universal Studios, those kinds of things, and I just thought it would be a good episode so that people can kind of gauge when would be a good time for them and their families to visit Universal Studios Hollywood, because I do think it's worth it, it's a great park. It's very different from Disneyland, but we're going to get into all of that in just a few minutes. So let's first start off with a couple of reviews. You know how much reviews mean to me, and I appreciate it so much when you take the time to leave a review. Or I know on Spotify you can't leave a written review, but you can rate my podcast, and that's what helps me grow and helps people find me. And I really appreciate all the people who have taken time out of their busy lives and busy schedules to rate and review my podcast so if you haven't already i would love you forever if you could rate review subscribe so you don't miss anything that would be the best so this review comes from disney marvel mama And she said, I started listening to Melissa's podcast about a month ago and I'm almost all caught up on her episodes. I binge any chance I get. She has the sweetest demeanor and so soft spoken. She has amazing tips, enjoyable historical facts and entertaining personal stories. I always look forward to mixing in some of this podcast magic into my Disney heart. That is the sweetest review and I appreciate it so much. I love it. Thank you, Disney Marvel Mama. This next one is from Vonda Angel. It says, I've been to Disney World many times. This will be my family's first trip to Disneyland. We are so excited and have learned so much from Melissa. Can't wait to put the info to use next week. Thank you so much, Vonda Angel. You guys are just the best. I just love you. Let's talk about, ooh, should we do news? Or should we do ride refurbishments for March? Let's do ride refurbishments because I've just been updating my ride refurbishment post on my website and I wanted to tell you what was coming up in March So if you're visiting in March, let's talk about Events and ride closures that are going to be happening so that you know What to expect anytime you visit Disneyland? You can kind of expect at least one or two attractions might be down for maintenance if you're visiting in the summer or over spring break, there's usually not as many, but if you're going to be visiting in the winter or the off season, you can kind of expect a ride or two to be down. We still don't have news about when Splash Mountain will be closing for its refurbishment into the Princess and the Frog themed attraction, but we will get info on that eventually, and I'll let you know as soon as we do. So if you're visiting Disneyland in March, the Disney 100 celebration runs all year long, so you'll be able to enjoy that. The Food and Wine Festival kicks off on March 3rd and runs through April 25th. Princess Night, which I know I've talked about every time I say Princess Night, I just like kind of laugh a little bit because I'm going to be there. I'm like, Princess Night. I got to get excited about it. I don't know why I have such a bad attitude about Princess Night. I know it's going to be fun. I got to pep it up for Princess Night. It's just... (laughs) I did get a sweatshirt, though, to wear to Princess Night. Last week, I think it was last week, I was talking about what outfit am I going to wear because everybody... I know so many people are going to be just glammed up. Like, I would not be surprised to see full, like, ball gowns, and I am not wearing a ball gown. So, I got a sweatshirt. It's a princess-themed sweatshirt, and that's as good as it's going to get from me. I'm going to be warm and cozy, and I'm not going to be in a ball gown. All right. Tangent over on Princess Night. But Princess Night is happening the 7th and the 9th. Indiana Jones remains closed for the whole month of March. We know it will be opening up sometime in the spring, but we don't have an official opening date. Tarzan's Treehouse remains closed for retheming. We don't have an opening date for that. Mark Twain Riverboat will be closed March 6th and will reopen March 10th. Grizzly River Run is currently closed, but will be reopening on March 17th. And the Silly Symphony Swings will be closed all through March, and we're not sure when that will reopen. Toontown, we know, is reopening March 19th, unless they change the date on us again. But as far as we know, March 19th is what we can expect for Toontown reopening. I was supposed to be there when it reopened on March 9th, and I threw in Princess Night because I was going to be there anyway. March 9th. I think that's right. Now I'm all confused. It doesn't matter. I was supposed to be there when Toontown reopened and Princess Night was happening at the same time. So I thought I'll be there anyway. I might as well check it out. So I bought a ticket to Princess Night and now Toontown has changed their reopening date. So I'm not going to be there when it reopens, but I'm still going to Princess Night. And I guess I'm a little bitter. (laughs) I didn't mind Princess Night when I was combining it with Toontown Reopening, but now that it's just Princess Night, I'm not so excited. But I'm going with a couple of Disney creator friends, and we are planning an epic Genie Plus experiment. we got to think of a name for it. It's going to be great, so I am excited about that. I'm more excited about that than Princess Night. But my sweatshirt's cute, so it'll be great. Um, Let's talk some Disney news I am not sure if you have heard, but they are kind of transforming the Pacific Wharf area over in California Adventure into San Francisco Square. So it's it's inspired by um, the movie, it's not called Baymax, is that what the movie is called? Oh dear, oh, Big Hero 6. Okay, everything's fine. It's Big Hero 6. It's inspired by that movie, and they're re-theming the area, which I'm pretty excited about. I think it'll be really cool. So here's what it says on the Disney Parks blog, but they've kind of been getting going on it, and it is scheduled to be fully operational sometime this summer. So here's what it says on the Disney Parks blog. San Francisco Square will transport you to the not-too-distant future in a fictional mashup of two iconic cities, San Francisco and Tokyo. As the tech industry began to emerge and the local fishing trade fell on hard times, entrepreneurs came together to reinvent the seaside canneries into a vibrant, multicultural district of neighborhood restaurants and small businesses where you'll be able to eat and shop. An iconic landmark of the area will be the San Francisco Gate Bridge, which will span the tide pools linking San Francisco Square to the Paradise Garden Park obelisk. Once you cross the bridge, you'll catch a view of the floating wind turbine atop an old fishing net tannery, powering the district from high in the sky. Clues to the area's storied and charming past can be found in the details throughout San Francisco Square. Outside a converted warehouse at the south end of San Francisco, you may have the opportunity to encounter Baymax. Today, Pacific Wharf is home to eateries featuring sourdough bread, ice cream sundaes, delicious Mexican fare, Asian dishes, and more. You'll still be able to enjoy all your favorite Pacific Wharf dining locations during this transformation. When the transformation to San Francisco Square is completed this summer, you'll find familiar favorites like soup and freshly baked bread bowls, as well as many new Asian-inspired selections. The new port of San Francisco draws inspiration from its tri-cultural influences with signage in English, Japanese, and Spanish. Outside will be a fun and inviting beer garden decorated with festoon lights, and let's see, it doesn't give us an opening date, it just says summer. But it does sound like a lot of the favorite foods that are at Pacific Wharf now will stick around. That makes me really happy because Cocina Cucamonga is there and that's where my favorite quesabiria tacos are. If they got rid of those, I would be so disappointed. So sounds like Things will be sticking around. There's just some re theming going on, and it will be pretty cool to be able to meet Baymax and see that area kind of reimagined. So I'm looking forward to all of that. I think it'll be great. So I will be at Disneyland for Princess Night. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, enough. Okay, I'm having a better attitude about Princess Night starting right now, starting in this moment. <laughs> I will be at Princess Night and then I'll be able to check out the construction and how the refurbishment is going over at San Francisco Square. Princess night, yay, it's gonna be so fun. I can't wait for princess night. Was that more convincing? I think I almost convinced myself. (laughs) More news dropped just today. We found out that they are discontinuing the virtual queue for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. At Disneyland starting tomorrow, February 22nd, there will be no more virtual queue, which is really surprising because it hasn't even been a month since it's been open and now they're doing away with the virtual queue. So there are lots of feelings about this over at social media. (laughs) Over at the social media, that's where there's lots of feelings. So true. Um, Some people are really excited. Because getting a virtual queue is a pain, and you know, trying to do it at 7 a.m., and it's all stressful, and a lot of people don't get in, and then you have to remember to try again at 1, and it's a lot, and especially guests who don't know much before they arrive at Disneyland, they don't know that you're supposed to be on at 7 a.m. during a virtual queue. So they miss out and they just show up to the ride and realize, oh, I was supposed to get on at 7 and try for a virtual queue. Or maybe they miss the 1 p.m. time too before they realize they were supposed to do that. And then they have no other option other than to buy a Lightning Lane in order to ride. So lots of people are really happy that this virtual queue is gone, and lots of people are upset because they like the virtual queue because it does save time, in theory, in line. So now your options are to either purchase a paid lightning lane or wait in the standby line. Before, they had a virtual queue that put you into a standby line, And the idea was that when it was your turn, you could enter the standby line, but you would have a shorter wait because you'd been in, you know, you got a return time in the virtual queue and when it worked, then it works really well because I've ridden it, I think five times since it opened and I paid for a lightning lane once and that got us on very quickly. I think we waited five minutes with our paid lightning lane. Um, I've also done the virtual queue four times, and we have waited anywhere between five minutes to 45 minutes was the longest that we ever waited in a virtual queue, which I didn't think was too bad. I don't mind waiting 45 minutes. That seems pretty darn good actually for a brand new attraction. Um, But other guests didn't have quite the same experience that I had. A lot of people were waiting an hour, an hour and a half, 2 hours like some of the virtual queue standby lines got really really long on occasion and the problem seemed to come when the ride would break down which it seems to do frequently i'm not sure why it breaks down so often i'm not sure if guests are dropping things and so if anybody drops anything they have to shut down the whole ride to retrieve it and that just takes a long time cuz it's not like a, if you drop something on the the Matterhorn and it flew off the side, then that might not be cause to shut down the entire ride. But if you drop something on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, then there's a good chance another car is going to run over it because the cars are all over the ride. These ride vehicles are all over the attraction moving around on the floor and so they have to clear that object. And I'm not saying that's the only reason they shut down the ride. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons that the ride gets shut down. But I know that one of them is when people drop things, then they have to shut everything down and it makes the line longer later. So if they have to shut down for an hour or two, then all those people who had a virtual return time then can show up later in the day and they will let them in because they missed their time by no fault of their own the ride was closed so on days where the ride shuts down a few times then in the afternoon the standby line gets really really backed up and that's when you see those super long you know hour two hour plus wait times that nobody wants to deal with because it's terrible So my guess is that them shutting down the virtual queue has a lot to do with that. They're hoping that if they don't have a virtual queue anymore, the ride goes down, they're not required to then let all these people into the line to ride. They can just send everybody out of the attraction and say, come back later. And hopefully we'll be up and running again. And that way there's no backup later on in the day from all these people who were supposed to have ridden and didn't get a chance to. So it may be that the regular standby line actually speeds things up a little bit over the virtual queue. But I don't know. It does kind of suck though because if you were waiting in line for 40 minutes and then it went down... There's a chance they might give you a return time to come back and ride it, but you might just have to leave and too bad for you, you'll have to put that time in later if you want to ride it later in the day. Disney also wants to sell lightning lanes and I'm sure that plays into this as well. If your choice is to wait in a 90 minute standby line or purchase a lightning lane and wait five minutes, there is a good portion of people who will choose to purchase a lightning lane. And I think we would be foolish to think that Disney hasn't thought of that because I'm sure they have. But I think it will be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially with rope drop. My guess is that lots of people are going to run their first thing just like they do for Rise of the Resistance and that is going to make it the longest wait of the entire day, just like Rise of the Resistance. So I will be watching wait times, I'll be checking this out, following it closely, but my guess is that rushing towards Mickey and Minnie's is not going to be your best option unless you are there for early entry. If you're staying on property at one of the Disneyland hotels, Mickey and Minnie might be a really good option for you. I'm thinking maybe at some point it will be open during early entry, but even if it's not, you can line up and be one of the first people to ride it. So if you have early entry, Mickey and Minnie's might be a good option for you. If you don't, I would say for now, probably not a good option. I'll keep you posted. I will be paying close attention to this. I love to ride Rise of the Resistance right before it closes. I'm sure I've talked about this before. So Rise of the Resistance usually closes earlier than all the other attractions in the park, usually at 8 or 9 p.m. Well, if it closes at 9 p.m. and I get in line at 8.45 or 8.50, then the attraction shuts down at 9. They stop letting people in line, but they still continue with the attraction so anybody who is already in line gets to ride but at 9 p.m they stop letting lightning lanes in which means they're only working off the standby line so the standby line moves really quickly so when i use this strategy i usually only wait 40 45 minutes to ride rise of the resistance and i think that's going to be my strategy moving forward with mickey and minnie's runaway railway as long as it's not open super late till midnight because you know i can't stay at the parks that late But depending on what time it closes, if you can get in line for it right before it closes, they will stop letting lightning lanes in. And that means that they just work off the standby line and you can ride much quicker. This is the same for um, Radiator Springs Racers and Cars Land. Once they're just using the standby line and not letting lightning lanes in anymore, it goes really quickly. But anyway, I will keep you updated. I will be paying close attention and we'll just see how it all plays out. But... Very interesting that the virtual queue didn't even last a month. We'll see how it goes. I will be there during Princess Night, and I will check it out. Did that sound convincing and exciting? Like I was super excited for Princess Night? I'm working on it. (laughs) All right, I'm done talking about Princess Night. I'm not going to bring it up again the whole episode. You're welcome. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about Universal Studios. I'm excited. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mixin' Some Magic. If you're traveling to Disneyland with small children you're going to need a stroller. Trust me you need a stroller but sometimes it's not convenient or practical to bring your stroller from home. So sometimes you're stuck renting a stroller at Disneyland which can be a hassle. The strollers aren't comfortable and can I tell you there is nothing worse than at the end of the night unloading your sleeping kid and all of your stuff to return the stroller so then you can walk back to your hotel or ride the shuttle, it's the worst. I found a company that I love called OC Baby Gear Rental and they rent strollers, cribs, and even car seats and they deliver them right to your hotel. So you can rent your stroller from them, they drop it off at your hotel before you arrive, it's there when you get there, you can use it your whole trip and then you leave it at your hotel when you check out and they come and pick it up. It's simple, it's easy, they've got great products, tons of different strollers to choose from and I think you're gonna love them. This is a great alternative to renting a stroller from Disneyland. I'm gonna put a link in my show notes along with the discount code. Check them out, they might be perfect for you. I think it's pretty obvious that I love Disneyland, but I also love Universal Studios. We just got back from Universal Studios in Florida, and it was such a great trip. We've also been to Universal Studios Hollywood a bunch of times. For a whole year, we were even annual pass holders there, which was pretty fun. A few years ago, they had a deal where you could buy two days and become an annual pass holder for the exact same price, so you better believe we did that and we visited Universal Hollywood a few times that year and we loved it. In fact, as my kids have gotten older, they've even told me that they prefer Universal Studios Hollywood over Disneyland. They still love Disneyland, but there's something about Universal Studios Hollywood, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan or now a Mario fan, a Nintendo fan, that's pretty special and awesome. But I don't think that Universal Studios Hollywood is for everyone. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to compare Disneyland and Universal Studios Hollywood and kind of see what might be best for your family. And we're also going to talk about adding a day on to Universal Studios. From here on out, whenever I say Universal Studios, just assume I mean Universal Studios Hollywood. Not Florida. Not the Universal in Orlando because... I can't keep saying Universal Studios Hollywood. It's just too much. (laughs) It's too long. So from here on out, every time I say Universal Studios, I mean the one in Hollywood. They are very different, the Hollywood one and the Orlando one, but for our intents and purposes today, We're talking just about the Hollywood version, So let's start with just a quick overview. Disneyland Resort has two theme parks, Disneyland and California Adventure. They have a park hopper, so you can park hop in between the two if you choose, or there's enough to do in each park to spend one full day. I usually don't recommend park hopping. You probably know this, but we're not gonna talk about that right now. Uh, Jump over to Universal Studios. They only have one park and it is much smaller than Disneyland. Uh, There's no need to worry about trying to fit two parks into your vacation. So you could do the park all in one day, but I prefer to do a two-day ticket when I go to Universal Studios because I enjoy taking my time and I like to see and do everything and adding a second day onto your vacation is not much more. We'll talk about that later too. Let's talk location. Disneyland Resort is in Anaheim. The most popular airports when flying into Anaheim are LAX, which is not my favorite, but a lot of people fly in there, Long Beach and Orange County. I prefer Long Beach or Orange County for Disneyland. Now, if you're flying into Universal Studios, that is in Hollywood. That's not in Anaheim. A lot of people assume they are very close together but they are not super close together. So the most popular airports when flying into Universal Studios Hollywood are Burbank, LAX, or Long Beach. I think LAX is a great choice if you're flying into Universal Studios. Not Disneyland. It's not my favorite, but for Universal, it's okay. Let's talk attractions. There are tons of attractions between the two parks at Disneyland. Disneyland has by far more rides and attractions than Universal Studios. You really can't even compare them. There are rides at Disneyland for all ages to enjoy, from babies and toddlers all the way up to grandparents. There's something for all ages. Even young, young kids are going to be able to go on lots of things. You can take babies on um, small World and you can take them on most of the fantasy land rides. There's Winnie the Pooh. There's Pirates. You can take babies on Pirates and Haunted Mansion. There's tons of things for babies to do at Disneyland. That is not the case at Universal Studios. Universal Studios really doesn't have many attractions for younger kids. They don't have many attractions at all. I think they have eight. Eight rides in their whole park. Um, They do have some awesome shows, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But there's really nothing geared towards babies or toddlers. So whenever I've been there, I've always been surprised by how few strollers there are when you're at Universal. At Disneyland, you're dodging strollers right and left. You're getting run over by strollers. People are stopping in the middle of walking with their strollers. But there's really not many strollers at Universal Hollywood, and that's because there's really nothing there for little kids to do. There's a lot of things for older kids and teens and adults to to do, though. So don't get down on Universal Hollywood yet. I'm not done. I'm not done. Just hang on. It's not looking good so far, but I promise we'll get there. At Universal Studios, they are heavy on the 3D and special effects attractions. So at Disneyland, there are, I think, two attractions that you would use 3D glasses for. There is Star Tours and Toy Story. And I, oh, and Web Slingers. But I think that's it. Over at Universal, quite a few, if not all, I'm sure not all, but many of the attractions use 3D glasses and have 3D effects, which can cause motion sickness in some guests. So if you have motion sickness, be prepared if you're going to Universal Studios in Hollywood be prepared. You might need some motion sickness medication. Let's talk themed lands because you know Disneyland has some pretty amazing themed lands. There's not just Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. And Adventureland; those are all wonderful. But now we have Galaxy's Edge, which is absolutely amazing for Star Wars fans. Toontown is so fun. We're getting the refurb that's opening soon, that I can't wait to check out. Over at California Adventure are two awesome themed lands: Cars Land, which is so impressive, maybe one of the best themes themed lands in any of the Disney parks worldwide, and Marvel fans are going to love Avengers Campus. So Disney does amazing job with their theming and their attention to detail. I think everybody knows that. But I have been very impressed by Universal Studios themed lands. They really do a great job with their theming as well. I mean, probably the most obvious themed land is the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And it's probably my favorite. It's probably a lot of people's favorite. It is amazing like it will blow you away if you have a Harry Potter fan at your house or if you're a Harry Potter fan you really have to visit there's amazing unique experiences there that you can only find in the wizarding world so you are totally immersed in the world of Harry Potter with the butterbeer and the atmosphere and the food and the shops like the even the cast members are just totally in character and it is such a great experience. There's also Super Nintendo World that is now up and going and Nintendo fans everywhere are so excited. I have a Nintendo fan in my house that is just dying to get over there and check it out. It looks absolutely amazing. There's Jurassic World, which is pretty fun to explore. There's even like raptors that you can meet and baby triceratops. There's Springfield, the home of the Simpsons, which is so fun to check out for any Simpsons fan. Universal is not lacking in themed lands, I just want to make that very clear. They don't have as many attractions as Disneyland, but their attractions are just as good and their themed lands are just as good as well. Let's talk about characters because Disneyland is famous for their characters. I mean if you go to Disneyland and don't get a picture with Mickey Mouse, did you even really go to Disneyland? <laughs> you find characters everywhere at Disneyland. There's Star Wars characters and there's Avengers characters and characters from the Pixar films. There's there's characters everywhere which is part of the appeal of Disneyland for families. But you might be surprised that there are a lot of characters to meet and interact with at Universal Studios. My kids loved seeing SpongeBob SquarePants when we were there. That was so fun. Uh, There's classic monsters walking around from old horror films like Frankenstein or Dracula. They've got Optimus Prime and Bumblebee from the Transformers who look absolutely amazing. I'm always so surprised when I see them. They do a great job and you'll also now find Mario and Luigi in Super Nintendo World not to mention the raptors and the baby triceratops that we can see in Jurassic Park there's great characters at Universal Studios too let's talk food food is a big part of any vacation Disneyland has lots of different dining options and lots of great food so they've got their table service their quick service and then They've got, you know, their little snack carts and things like that, and you can mobile order at Disneyland. There are so many places I love to eat at while we're at Disneyland, like Carnation Cafe, Fried Chicken from Plaza Inn, or Bengal Bengal Barbecue. I always want to say Bengal Boulevard because when we first got married, like 20 plus years ago, we lived on Bengal Bengal, Bengal Boulevard. So every time I say bangle barbecue sometimes it comes out bangle boulevard it's so funny. Anyway, there's a lot of good dining options at Disneyland. Universal Hollywood has lots of great dining options as well. They don't have any table service dining, and you can't make reservations, and there's no mobile ordering. But they've got a lot of great quick service. They've got a lot of little stands where you can buy treats and popcorn and things like that. They also have the City Walk, which is kind of like. Downtown Disney. It's right outside and they've got tons of restaurants there and a movie theater and shops So you can eat there as well My favorite place to eat at Universal is the Three Broomsticks. It's so good. It's just So themed with the Harry Potter and I am a huge Harry Potter fan So I love eating there and you can get hot butter beer there Which is my favorite way to have butter beer. You can have it frozen cold or hot and i don't like it frozen or cold i think it's much too sweet but i love the hot version so yummy there's also jurassic cafe that i like and i am really excited to check out the toadstool cafe which is part of the new super nintendo world if you're a simpsons fan make sure you grab a donut from lard lad donuts they are ginormous and so fun let's talk about entertainment Entertainment at Disneyland is amazing. There's really entertainment everywhere you look other than rides and shows, but there's parades and cavalcades and they've got the princess show and they've got live musical performances with the Dapper Dans and they have Broadway style entertainment with Tale of the Lion King and they've got nighttime entertainment with fireworks and projections and it's all included with your park ticket and it's Amazing. You're not lacking for entertainment at Disneyland. Now, entertainment is a little different at Universal Studios Hollywood. They do have a water world show that is a special effects show. That's absolutely amazing. I love it. You can't miss it. It's really one of the best things at Universal Studios. It's very cool. Here's a little tip. Don't sit in the splash zone. When they say splash zone, they mean soaking wet zone. So they have some benches up near the front that say Splash Zone on them. And I have seen members of the show, members of the show, is that how you say that? Sure. that's I can't think of another way. <laughs> I've seen them take full buckets of water and dump them on people's heads that are sitting in the Splash Zone. So this isn't like a little trickle of water. This is a you-may-get-soaked zone. So stay away from that. Stay far, far away. That's my best tip for Waterworld show. Sometimes they have a nighttime projection show on the Hogwarts castle, although this doesn't happen every night. And they used to have a special effects show that was so cool, and then they had an animal actor show which was also really good. Those have been discontinued as of just a month ago I think I've heard rumors that they are putting a new attraction in the place where those shows were held. It might be a roller coaster. I'm hearing Fast and Furious roller coaster, but we'll have to wait and see. I am disappointed to lose those two shows though, because I really enjoyed them and it kind of added two more things that were really great to do at Universal Studios. So now they kind of have less, but they do have Super Nintendo World now. So I maybe... It balances out, I'll have to let you know. Atmosphere at Disneyland is just pure magic. It's everywhere from the sights and the smells and the music and the cast members trying their best to contribute to the magic and you feel like you're part of a magical adventure when you're visiting and everything is very family friendly and appropriate for guests of all ages. The atmosphere at Universal Studios is really great too. The moment you step into Universal Studios Hollywood, you feel like you're on a movie set. So because they are based out of Hollywood, they lean heavily into that movie making theme. So there's props from old movies to take pictures with and there's characters from your favorite films. I've seen like I Love Lucy walking around and Marilyn Monroe and Beetlejuice. It's really cool. And you can even visit locations where movies have been made and are being currently made, which is pretty awesome. So Universal has a really fun vibe that kind of makes you feel like you've stepped into your favorite movie although some attractions and experiences might not be appropriate for very young guests. I wanted to talk about park hours too. So park hours at Disneyland vary by the day and season but you can expect Disneyland to usually be open by 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. and it usually closes between 10 and 12 a.m. Obviously, you need to check the Disneyland website for park hours, but it is open a good chunk of the day. Now, park hours at Universal Studios also vary by the day and season, but they are usually open a much shorter block of time. They're usually open by 8 or 9, sometimes it's 10, but they usually close between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. So there's been days where I've been at Universal Studios and it's closed at 6 p.m. You're going to want to check the website for park hours, um, obviously, before you go so you know what to expect. But because there is less to do at Universal Hollywood, it's, it hasn't been a bad thing. And I haven't minded because what we've done when it's closed early is we've eaten lunch at Universal. And then since it closes at 6, we can run over to McDonald's or In-N-Out that are nearby and spend a lot less money on our dinner. So we've used it to our advantage, but do be aware that Universal Studios usually closes earlier than Disneyland. Ticket prices is something we have to cover when talking about Disneyland versus Universal Studios. Now I can't give you exact prices because ticket prices for Disneyland vary widely depending on how many days you're visiting, what type of ticket you're purchasing. But tickets to Disneyland are almost always more expensive than tickets to Universal Studios. I don't want you to pay full price for your Disneyland tickets, though. Remember that you can purchase discounted park tickets and hotels using the link in my profile. Please, please, I'm begging you, don't pay full price. If you're booking Disneyland tickets with a hotel in a package, you can use my code msm 10 to save an additional $10. So I always send my friends, guests, listeners, everybody I know, I send them to Getaway Today because they are the best and they always have great prices. So make sure you check them out, book through them. You're going to love them. There's a link in my show notes, but don't pay full price. This is the same for Universal Studios Hollywood. I don't want you to pay full price either. You can also get discounted tickets and hotels with Universal Studios Hollywood. So of course I'll put a link in my show notes for them as well so you can check it out. But tickets to Universal Studios are are almost always cheaper than tickets to Disneyland. And that's because it's a smaller park. You're not getting as much when you go, so tickets are usually cheaper. I have found that it is also much cheaper to add a second day to Universal Studios Hollywood than it is to add a second day at Disneyland. So if you add a second day at Disneyland, It can be quite expensive. You're usually paying almost as much as you did for your first day. But if you add a second day to Universal Studios, it's quite a bit cheaper. I've been pricing out tickets because we're going to be taking our family sometime in the summer to check out the new Super Mario World. And to add a second day at Universal Studios Hollywood, it was just an additional $40 per person, which I thought was really great because I know I want to spend two days there. I don't want to rush my family through the experience and two days just works better for our family and if i can get an extra day for forty dollars that's money well spent in my book genie plus and express pass are big things at disneyland and universal hollywood so genie plus at disneyland i'm sure you know has replaced the old fast pass max pass system Disney Genie Plus starts at $20, $25, sorry about that, it changed, starts at $25 per person and allows you to make a return time using the Disneyland app for select attractions. And you can ride these select attractions once per day via the lightning lane. So you kind of skip the standby line, but you still end up waiting. It usually saves you maybe like, I don't know. 20 minutes less than the standby line. It really depends. Sometimes you get right on using the lightning lane, other times you can wait for a while, but it really just depends. So Disney Genie Plus is really popular at Disneyland and Universal Studios Hollywood has something similar. It's called the Universal Express Pass and it starts at about $99 per person per day. That's a big difference from $25. People complain to me all the time about the cost of Genie Plus. But Universal's over here charging $99. So, yeah. So the $99 per person per day allows you front-of-the-line access to each attraction and preferred seating for the shows. So you get preferred seating at the Waterworld show, and then you get front-of-the-line access to each attraction once per day. So the Express Pass is a really nice way to skip the long lines. It is expensive, but they do get you on really quickly because think about it, $25 a day at Disneyland, bunches of people are going to pay that. So, I mean, a good portion of the guests visiting Disneyland have Genie Plus and are using it. $99 per person per day is a big difference and not very many people purchase the front of the line pass or the express pass as it's called at Universal Studios because it's so much more expensive. So when people do purchase it, they don't wait long at all. They are right on that ride and they are riding it very, very quickly. So I can't say that I recommend it because it is so expensive but if you only have one day to spend, if that doesn't stretch your budget and you don't want to worry about lines at all, then that's something to consider. I would rather pay $40 more per person and go for two full days and not get the express pass and just wait in lines even if they are a little long than pay the extra $100 a person. But that's just me. Let's talk about which park is going to be best for your kids hands down disneyland is much better for people with young kids there's so much to do for all ages even babies and toddlers it's all geared towards families and disneyland there's really no way around it it is so great for people with young little children and like i said before universal hollywood doesn't have much for young kids to do so your kids if you go when they're little they're going to be stuck sitting in a stroller We're sitting on the sidelines for most of the day. So I don't recommend that people take their kids to Universal Studios Hollywood until they are at least 48 inches tall, which means they're able to ride and enjoy all of the attractions there. So the first time we took our kids to Universal Studios in Hollywood, my youngest was six. And she was just barely 48 inches and could go on everything. And we waited because... A, I didn't want to have to split up the family and have someone waiting with her the whole time and then she's not able to ride everything and I just didn't wanna deal with that. I wanted, if we were gonna pay the money to go, I wanted her to be able to ride everything. She was a huge Harry Potter fan and the ride, the big ride at Harry Potter World Forbidden Journey, you have to be 48 inches tall to ride. So on this attraction, you get to walk through Hogwarts And it's really amazing. The line is amazing, the ride is really fun, and she wouldn't be able to ride it. And I knew that would be so disappointing for her, so we decided to wait until she was tall enough to ride the actual attraction. Because I'm such a Harry Potter fan, and my kids are Harry Potter fans, we spent a lot of time in Harry Potter world the very first time we visited. We actually spent five hours there. There's only two attractions there. There's two rides. There is some other experiences, which I can talk about in a different podcast, but we spent five hours. We went through every little aspect of Harry Potter world and had so much fun so I was so grateful that we had two days there and I didn't have to rush them through the experience because we had two days we had a whole other day that we could use to ride other attractions and we just got to enjoy Harry Potter and it was absolutely wonderful and my kids loved it Now, if we're going to talk about older kids and teenagers, when I say older kids, I mean over 48 inches, which is best, Disneyland or Universal Studios? Well, you really can't go wrong with either park for older kids and teens. There's so much to do at Disneyland for those kinds of kids, those kinds, those older kids and teens, but there's also a lot to do at Universal Studios. My kids, who are now ages 12 through almost 20, love disneyland they always enjoy going but now that they're older they really like universal studios a lot they've actually told me they liked it better and they hurt my feelings just kidding not really but yes so if you have older kids or teens that are huge harry potter or mario fans then yes go to universal studios go check out harry potter world it's amazing, blown away amazing. I'm so happy every time we go there that the Wizarding World exists. And I think Mario fans are gonna feel the same way about Super Nintendo World. Can I do both parks in one vacation? I get asked this a lot. You totally can't. I've done it before, but keep in mind that Universal Studios and Disneyland are not close together. Somehow in my mind, the first time we decided to do it all in one trip, I thought that they were close together. I looked at it on the map and it said it was like 40 miles apart, but I wasn't factoring in LA traffic and it took us an hour and a half to drive there in the morning. We drove from Anaheim to Hollywood, took us an hour and a half on the way home. It took us two hours to get back to our hotel in Anaheim and it kind of put a damper on the trip. We did not enjoy that back and forth driving, so I would not say that that is a good option. If you do decide to visit both parks during one vacation, I recommend switching hotels. When you're visiting Disneyland, then stay near Disneyland, and when you're visiting Universal Studios Hollywood, stay near Universal Studios Hollywood. This will save you tons of time and frustration and just make your vacation better so hopefully that cleared up universal versus disneyland i hope that gave you something to think about and maybe put a little bug in your ear to go visit harry potter world because it is so great it is so fun i love it i actually have been invited by getaway today to go and check out universal studios new land super nintendo world i'll be there next week I'm gonna be doing some hotel tours with them. I can't wait. I'm gonna to be touring some hotels I've never been to. I'm also staying somewhere I've never stayed, so I'm excited about that. And then I get to go check out Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Hollywood, and I cannot wait. I'm very excited. So I hope you'll follow along on my Instagram. I'll be sharing tons of stories and constant information. I can't wait to tell you all about it when I get back. I have lots of things that I'm checking into. I want to see like park strategies and what will work best for you if you're visiting Universal Studios Hollywood. So it's going to be great. And if you've never thought about visiting Universal Studios Hollywood, then follow along in my Instagram stories so that you can maybe get an idea for what it's like and if it might be right for your family. I have an episode coming up where I'm going to be answering questions. It's a Q&A episode. I'm really excited for it. I think this will be a fun way for me to interact with you a little bit better because It's hard when you can't just ask me a question because I'm sitting here recording and you're in your car listening. It just isn't very good with the the two-way communication. So I thought it would be fun to do a question and answer episode, but that means I need your questions. So if you have any questions about me, about Disneyland, about Universal Studios, Hollywood, or Orlando, or Disney World, or Disney Cruises, whatever your questions are, I want to answer them on this episode. I think it will be really fun. So you can leave me a voicemail. There's a link in the show notes. You click on that. You can just record your question and then I can play it on the podcast. How fun would that be? I really hope you will ask me a question that way. I think that would be so fun. Will you please send me a question that way? (gasps) I would love it. Or if you don't want to do that, then I understand, I still like you. You can send me a question on Instagram. You can send me a DM. You can send me an email with your question at melissa at mixinsomagic.com. You could send me one on Facebook. I'm even on Facebook. However you want to get me your question will be great, but I would really, really, really love it. If you send it to me in a little voicemail so I could then play it. I just think that would be so fun. Anyway, I'm excited for this episode. Think about your questions. Send them in so that I can answer them. And I think it'll be fun. I can't wait. Well, that's all the time I have today. I got to go get dinner going for my family. They want to eat every single night. I fed them last night and here we are again. Everybody wants to eat again. What are you going to do? Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you. I hope you have a wonderful week. Give someone a hug. Spread some Disney magic however you can. And thanks. You're the best. I'll be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.